Swing and a drive. Deep left field. This is way back. Walk him off. Chris Taylor. <laughs> Thank you, Paula, for the great introduction. You killed it. Sportscasters Podcast, season number 11, episode number 21. I'm lucky enough to start the show with a great guest, Paula Bennett. Later in the show, Sean McDonough returns to the Sportscasters to talk about being the main play-by-play man, PBP1 for ESPN and the National Hockey League, which returns to the network on October 12th. After a 10-year, 11-year hiatus. So we're glad to have Sean McDonough on the show. And also Rob Mish from the Chicago Sun-Times. A good friend of ours. Author of The Last Natural, among other books. Is going to join us to talk about sports gambling. All right. Before we get to all that. Paula, my dear. Mm -hmm. The listeners have emailed me. And they want to know how kindergarten is going so far. What can you tell them about school so far? Go ahead and talk right into that mic, baby, and tell them all about school. What grade are you in, first of all? Um, kindergarten. And who's your teacher? Mrs. Short. Is she nice? Yes. And what kind of stuff are you learning? We're learning the letter. You're M- learning letters? S. Uh-huh. M. T. H. I think. Yeah, you're learning numbers? Yeah. Yeah, you learn how to read? Mm-hmm. Sight words? Sight words? Our first one we were working on is uh. Uh, and the. And the. Yeah. And what's your um, specials? What specials do you have? Today? What the well, in general, like what specials do you do at, at school? Um, like, we, at the first day we did like gym, gym, gym. Mm. And then we went to a different one and to a different one. And the yeah, what are your other ones? Gym, um, music. music. Like arts, library, computers. Computers. What's your favorite? All of them. All of them. Do you love specials? Yeah. And how's lunch so far? Good. Yeah. Have you made some good friends? Mm-hmm. Who's your best friend at school? Well, I guess Hannah right now. Hannah is. Yeah. That was pretty cool because that was someone your grandma worked with named Carla. It's her daughter, right, Hannah? And you guys ended up being in the same class. Yeah. So that was cool. Anything else about school? Mm. Tell the listeners who you took to school one night. Did. Who did you take to school on one night? Can I take my headphones off? Y- yeah, if you need to. Um, can I tell them about when, when the whole story was not my friend, but no Yeah. Sure. All right, Paula's got a story. Go ahead, baby. Well, well, it's a story when Wayne turned not my friend for when he was in my class. Yeah. And Mrs. Murray class. Oh, okay, Mrs. McMurray's class. The first thing is, um, first he started off my friend, and then he had a friend with me, Murray Connor, and then 
had this whole big deal where he had to, I have to be sitting next to him for a couple more days. Craziness. How are you going to survive it? Well, I'm going to try. <laughs> what was the special guest at school today? Who came to visit your class? And a fire truck, and I got a coloring book, and a fire hat, and a sticker. Yeah, one of the kids' dads a fireman, huh? That's super cool. And remember, you took me to school one night for open house. Tell the listeners what we won. Percy kisses. How do we win them? I don't know. We just got the right number. Yeah, it was a contest. You had to guess how many Hershey kisses were in the jar. And Paul wanted to guess 100 million trillion. And I said, how about we guess 123, and then we won, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else? What do you think about the Saints season so far? How are the Saints looking? Good. Just okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, they blew it last week. Yeah. But Italy. Yeah, what about Italy? You got to talk about Italy? Yeah, I didn't want to say a word about them. What about them? They get cheater teams. Yeah, the teams <laughs> cheat against them, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we went to the finals one time. Yep, we won it. We won the Euros, European champions. Yep, and then the second one four times. Yep, we won the World and Cup now, four times. They won this. But we got cheated in Nations League, right? Yep. Yep, by Spain. Cheaters. Yeah, we, we Paula and I have been playing a lot of uh, um, FIFA. FIFA. Uh-huh. Yeah, we play as a team, and Paula's our striker, yeah. and she's really good at scoring the goals. I try to pass it to her, and she gets the goals. Which is good, but we get cheated by the refs in that all the time. Yep. Yep. Can I say all right. one more thing? Yeah, one Paula? more thing. One more thing from um, Paula here. What's up, baby? My classroom is Snoopy themed. Snoopy themed, which is great. I love Snoopy. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. But when I'm... Uh, Charlie Brown. Uh, I love his specials, like his Halloween special, Christmas special. Oh. <laughs> we got to watch those this year. All right, where else can the listeners hear you? What other podcasts are you usually on? I'm on the 21st Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you think you're going to be talking about on there soon? We watched it last night, remember? Oh, we season. Did we always do we season? Yeah, we're going to do the, the Halloween yeah. one, right? And it's funny because, because they... Because they they just singing the song and then they just fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they premiere a video of the fight. Yeah, it's Saturday night's main event, the Halloween episode. They would fight. Yeah. They they forgot the song and then Waddy Piper accidentally said <laughs> yeah. turned off everything and then it was a brawl. Yes. All right. So that is the great Paula Bennett. Thank you, honey. You're welcome. I appreciate you. You gonna go relax now? Yeah. All right. I love you. I'll Everyone. Okay, Tiamo. Tiamo. Okay. I can come in for the second half. Okay. If you want. All right, I'll let you know. Thanks, baby. You're welcome. All right, sportscasters. Uh, like I said, Sean McDonough and Rob Mish are on the show today. We're going to get to them in a, in a minute. First things first, I want to mention the Saints. Uh, brutal loss last week against the Giants. They really blew that game. They're up 21-10 to 10, uh, with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they really just played not to lose from there on out. And, of course, they did just that. They lost. Uh, Still some really inconsistent play from Jameis, and I feel like the coaching staff has just sort of neutered him to this point. And I think at some point you're going to have to let him go, uh, let him be Jameis and take the good for the bad. You know, I don't think you can win in the NFL 
uh, consistently uh, trying to gain 130, 140 passing yards every week. Hold on. Paula's back. What's up, baby? Oh, my God. Our dog ate all oh, Paula's bread. I'll make you some more in a little bit. All right, baby? Okay. All right. Colston left her, uh, Paula left her cinnamon bread unattended, and that skunk Colston ate it while she was in here podcasting. So she's all bent out of shape. So, yeah, if the Saints want to be a serious team this year, they're going to have to kind of let Jameis go, I think, a little bit. Let him be Jameis. Italy lost yesterday in the Nations League. Uh, you know, I'm all into this Italy team and it's all fun and games until we're losing to nothing. And I'm thinking to myself, why do I need this aggravation? Uh, there's some talk that the Jack Eichel trade may happen, that that's heating up. I'm fine with that as long as, uh, Kevin Adams just holds his ground and gets what he wants. Uh, as long as that happens, that's fine with me. I'm done with Jack Eichel. I think he's a little crybaby. Um, and I'm, Perfectly happy to be rid of him. I can't wait to be rid of him, honestly, uh, as long as the package is right. If not, you need to set, let him sit there and rot, as far as I'm concerned. Um, what else is going on? Baseball playoffs are finally here. I'm excited about that. Um, I think everyone is really hoping for a Dodgers versus Astros World Series, which I mentioned that that was the one I was hoping didn't happen uh, when Jeff Passan was on a few weeks ago. And... Uh, Seems like I'm in the minority there. I mean, I'm just kind of played out on the Dodgers. I'd much rather all three of the remaining NL teams be in the World Series. The Braves, obviously, are my team, so I'd like to see them. Uh, the Giants are kind of my second favorite NL, te- NL team, so I'd love to see them. And the Brewers haven't been in the World Series in forever, and I think it'd be a great atmosphere uh, out there, so I'd rather see them. Uh, then in the American League, the Astros, again, are kind of a team I'm bored with. They're heels, cheaters. I don't need to see them in a World Series again. I do like Dusty Baker, but again, I think it's a situation where I'd rather, well, I'd rather see Houston than the Rays. The Rays are the team I definitely don't want to watch in the World Series again. Uh, Just a completely uninteresting team. Uh, So hopefully it's not the Rays. If it's got to be Houston, if it's it's got to be the Rays, I'd rather Houston. Otherwise, I'd rather see the White Sox or the... Uh, I guess the Red Sox. Man, I'm not a big fan of these AL teams now that I think about it. White Sox would easily be my first choice. (sighs) And then I guess the Astros might be my second choice uh, with the Rays fourth and the Red Sox third. All right, let's see how all that plays out. I'm excited about the show today. We're going to talk to Sean McDonough next. We got an interesting development in the book club I'm excited to tell you about. And uh, then we'll do an interview with Rob Mish, and then I'll be back here for one last thing. All right, let's take a break. We will be right back. Our first guest today is from Boston. He's a graduate of Syracuse University, and he calls baseball games on the Boston Red Sox radio network. He also calls college football games for ESPN and is ready to take his role on October 12th as play-by-play number one in the United States for hockey on ESPN. Uh, He's been a great guest on this show before when he was the Monday Night Football broadcaster. And way back in the beginning of season 11, he joined us to talk about some of his famous calls. A warm sportscaster's welcome to one of my favorites, Sean McDonough. Hey, Sean, how you doing today? 
I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really good. I'm starting to get excited for hockey season, even though, you know, my team is is irrelevant as it can be at the start of the year. Uh, I still, I just love the sport so much that it doesn't matter. I'm just looking forward to the season. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you're a real fan, and who knows? One of the great things about sports is each season is new, and maybe your team, I would assume you're referring to the Buffalo Sabres. I am, yes. You know where you live? Yeah. But who knows? Maybe yeah. they'll be surprisingly good. I, I don't see many reasons to... Be optimistic. I understand <laughs> your pessimism, but it is one of the great things about sports. Sometimes you get very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. There's a chance maybe the other 30 teams will uh, be unable to compete, and there'll be a two-team uh, <laughs> two team competition for the rest of the years. That They could benefit there. That's probably about it. It's funny. A, a couple seasons ago, they're, they're on a 10-year playoff drought. And a couple seasons ago, when the season ended for COVID, I think they ended up having, you know, 24 teams in the playoffs, and they were team 25. And the first mm. te- the, fir- the first game canceled was the Sabres-Canadians game, that if they would have played and won, they would have been team 24 out of 24. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it's went. And probably not stuck around for very long, I'm guessing. But No, probably not. They but... they were a playoff team. Yeah. I'd love to see it come back. You know, I... When I grew up being a Boston Bruins fan, you know, when I was a kid, the Bruins had some great games against those really good Sabres teams with the French Connection line. And you know, I remember, you know, Jim Schoenfeld and Wayne Cashman, you know, uh, you know, just you know, crashing through. I think it was the two of them crashing through the like the Zamboni door at the old Odd and uh, having a fight in the. I think it was those two in the uh, in the runway. So, you know. Uh, and, and going to Syracuse, and the Sabres were close by. You could drive out to Buffalo and go to the odd when the Bruins would be out there and uh, go watch those games. So, you know, great fans there. It would be great if they'd get better because I think the fan base there, like you, certainly deserves it. Yeah, the Sabres and Bruins have had some, you know, great battles in my lifetime too. Of course, the um, May Day goal um, on the Sabres side of things is pretty – one of the top moments I was there in the odd with my dad for that uh, in 93, Brad May scoring. It's the first time they had really advanced to the second round in my lifetime. So uh, that was mm. cool. When we have talked before, this is, I think, your fourth, fifth, sixth time on. And we've talked before about your, you being a hockey fan and, and you liking uh, calling hockey games. We talked about your work on the uh, – 98 Olympics a few different times and some other things that you've called. When you heard ESPN was involved in getting the hockey contract again, how did it play out that you became the guy? Did you go to them? Did they come to you? Were you really excited? Like what went on behind the scenes that brought you back to the game? Uh, I went to them almost immediately. You know, as soon as I heard that we had secured the NHL rights, and we were going to split it for the next seven years with Turner, but be involved in each of the seven years by splitting it. I mean, as you know, that yep. you know, four out of the next seven years and the even number of years we'll have the Stanley Cup final and Turner will have it in the other three. So as soon as I heard, I texted Jimmy Pitaro, who's the president of ESPN, just that, you know, first of all, great job in getting hockey back because there are a lot of people who work at ESPN, who have been hoping for the last 16 years that would come back. And I was 
one of them, and I think it's a great thing for ESPN. I think it's a great thing for the NHL because I think NBC did a fine job all these years, but you know, we just have the capability you know, from an availability of platform standpoint to broaden the reach of the NHL. You know, we can uh, put a lot of games and a lot of programming on all these different networks, but NBC just, you know, physically it wasn't possible. Logistically, it wasn't possible for them. So, yeah, I think it's great for everybody, especially the hockey fan. And I, I texted Jimmy immediately that I'd like to be involved in this, passionate about hockey, and would like to do it at the highest possible level. So, he thanked me for my interest and said that Norby Williamson, who is you know basically his right hand man, uh, would be really involved in assembling the talent team, and that he would let Norby know that I had reached out to him. So I reached out to Norby, and I've had a friendship and relationship with him for a long, long time. We've both been at ESPN a long time, and uh, same thing. You know, he said, "Hey, that's great to know." You know, obviously we have a bunch of people who are interested, but you know, nice to know that you're interested and. You know, as it played out, they wound up making me the lead play-by-play guy, which I'm thrilled about and really looking forward to getting started. I'm thrilled about it, too. Uh, I'll be honest, when the when ESPN and hockey got in the same sentence again, uh, the first name I thought of was Gary Thorne. I, and I know a lot of people like this have thought, because people my age, we just grew up with Gary on the network, the song, you know, the Steve Iserman slap shot, double overtime goal. We thought he would be involved in some way or hopes. And when he wasn't, there was some disappointment. But for me, having a little bit of a relationship with you, admiring your work, enjoying your work, I was quickly really excited uh, to know that you would be the guy. Because now it's a situation, too, where it's set up where the, the, the package is split and the two main guys are Sean McDonough on one side and Kenny Albert on the other. And I think that, that we're just shaped for a really great run of two really high-end, quality, great voices of hockey uh, being on the thing. What well, you- I appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, part of the reason why, Steve, it's special for me is because of the history, right? Because of who's yeah. done before. Excuse me. You know, like, uh, you know, Mike Emmerich, obviously, yep. and, and Gary, and many others. You know, I grew up idolizing Dan Kelly, who unfortunately is no longer with us, but he was a tremendous, you know, not only was he a tremendous hockey announcer, he's just one of the best play-by-play people in any sport that I've ever heard. And I still hear highlights of games that he did and get chills when I hear them. You know, he just had a great voice and great ability to capture big moments. And it just had the rhythm and flow that you need to be a terrific hockey announcer. So, you know, it's, it's the same thing that you and I talked about Monday football. You know, a big part of the attraction for me was knowing that there had only been four play-by-play people who had had that job before me. There were Keith Jackson, Frank Gifford, Al Michaels, and Mike Tirico, which you know, was a Hall of Fame row if there ever was one. So to be included in that company was special. And it's the same thing with this. You know, knowing that the people who've gone before you are guys like Mike Emmerich and and Gary Thorne, and others, as I said. And, and knowing how high the level of hockey broadcasting is right now. You know, you mentioned Kenny, who's been doing it. I watched the playoffs this year with NBC and, you know, their associated networks. And, you know, the guys like Alex Faust, John Forsland, Brandon Burke, you know, they're, they're, I've got a couple of really close friends. Dave Gosher does the Vegas Golden Knights game. He's a tremendous announcer. So, 
you know, the, the quality of hockey broadcasting around the country, not just on the network level, but, you know, uh, uh, those who are employed by the teams or working for the regional sports networks that these teams are on, you know, it's super high. So that's part of the fun of it and part of the challenge to, you know, do your part to uphold the high standard that's already been set. Now, it's been a little while since you've been regular calling hockey games, but it's not like you're a rookie at it either. How do you build the chops up? Like, what do you have to do? You would know better than me as someone who can you, can you just get back in and is it like riding a bike or is there a certain way you have to build up? Yeah, it's a yeah. good question. You know, and it's uh, it is in some ways like riding a bike. You know, play by play. When people say to me, "Well, you do all these sports," you know, it, it's the same skill. And you're describing what you see. You're supplementing the game with hopefully pertinent information, whether it's stats or stories or interacting with your analyst and having a conversation about something. So it's the same thing, sport to sport. Now they all have their different styles. And one of the things I like about hockey is that it is fast paced and because the puck moves so quickly and sometimes it can be hard to see, although I think today's technology of TV, it's certainly a much better TV sport uh, than it used to be, you know, when it was hard. Yeah. HD was huge for hockey. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, you know, the people, you know, the old adage used to be, well, it's a great in-person sport, but it stinks on TV. And you know, I don't think that that's true anymore at all. Agreed. Uh, given how awesome these TV sets are. So, uh, but, you know, it's, it's, you can do more of a radio play-by-play call. You know, Mike Emmerich, maybe the best of all time uh, as a hockey broadcaster. You know, he, he was almost a radio call on TV. And very few people complain about it because, you know, it's, it's almost required even how fast the puck moves and the need to identify the, the new person who's in possession of the puck. So uh, that's part of the fun of it. I don't think the game has ever been better. You know, I think the players are faster, stronger, bigger, more skilled. I think the rules changes since we last had the NHL 15 or 16 years ago uh, made a big difference, you know, getting rid of the two-line pass. You know, teams aren't playing the trap anymore. Um, you know, there's more goal scoring. The, the skill set of the players is more on display. So, you know, I think it's a great time for us to be jumping into it. and Can't wait to get started. I know you've called, uh, I know you're a fan of the league, fan of the game. Uh, but you also, your your interests are, are, are vast and wide. And this is just, I mean, just sports, college football, college basketball. Um it's it's the United States, so we all dabble in some NFL, right? Uh, at least in terms of fandom, you got, you got your friends, your family, all that. Did you kind of have to go back to hockey school in a way to kind of learn the league a little bit? You know, we all know Connor McDavid and you know some of those right. names. Did you kind of have to reintroduce yourself to maybe like the third line center on the Canucks or you know who's coaching yeah, the, and I mean, this and or that? It's yeah, a great question, and it's an evolving process, right? Because yep. You know, certainly if we have a Canuck game, it's more important for me to know that. You know, I sure. do college football right now. I can't tell you who plays on all 130 right. you know, FBS teams. Of course. You know, what you do need to do is, you know, the game that you're doing, uh, you need to be as buttoned up and informed about those teams as you possibly can be. And then you need to have a good working knowledge, obviously, of, of the rest of it. So I have been uh, studying the teams, particularly those who I know we have on our early schedule you know we start with pittsburgh and tampa bay on opening night um so i've been really focused on them while also trying to 
familiarize myself with the rest of the league. I mean, I've always stayed involved with it as a fan. Uh, you know, I follow the Boston Bruins closely because that's what I grew up with in the heyday of Bobby Orr. You know, when I grew up, every kid on my street wanted to be Bobby Orr. You know, we're out there playing street hockey and everybody's Bobby Orr. And, you know, to me, still my favorite professional athlete of all time, partially because I've had the great pleasure of getting to know him over the years. And he's an even better person than he was a hockey player. And I, I'll make the argument he was the greatest hockey player of all time. So, um, you know, I, I've stayed close to it. David Quinn is my closest friend. He was the coach of the New York Rangers for the last three years. So, yeah. You know, watched almost every Ranger game over that span. You know, feel like I have a great knowledge of them. And through watching them, especially last year where they were playing the same teams over and over again in that pod scheduling, you know, I feel like I know a lot about the teams that were in their division last year, including Buffalo. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's you learn as you go. Uh, you focus on what is immediate in terms of, you know, the two teams you're going to have in the next game you're doing. But, so I've reached out to a lot of people around the league. I've talked to you know, the PR people, the rules people. I had a great conversation on the phone a while back with Commissioner Bettman. Uh, you know, trying to reach out as much as I can, get to know the people again, and uh, let everybody know how excited I am and ESPN to be back in hockey. I'm really excited as well. What about your team for games? Uh, how do you build chemistry there? Have you guys done practice games? Have you talked about? You know, um, I, I, I believe it's you and uh, Ray Ferraro, correct? Is is the is your team? Yeah, to yeah. start the year, it will be. I'll also be doing some games with Brian Boucher. Uh, and to answer your question, yes, we went to Bristol to the home of ESPN in Connecticut in late August and spent a day. They brought in all of us who were going to be doing play by play and all who are going to be game analysts, and we call games off a monitor and you know, spent a lot of time doing it and you know, did several periods. I did a couple of periods with Ray, did a couple with, um, with Brian Boucher, did some with, uh, AJ Malesko. And, you know, it was a productive exercise. You know, it was good for me just to get back and actually do some hockey play by play, even though it was off a monitor and, you know, kind of get more comfortable again with the lingo and the flow of it and the speed of it. And, um, and, you know, that'll, that'll still take some time. I mean, I will be better in the fifth game that we do for real than I will be on opening night. And I'll try to be at least passable on opening night, obviously. Sure. But it's like anything. Once you get back into it, get a few reps under your belt, you'll be better. I'm No doubt I'll get better as we go. And uh, But, you know, we try to build some chemistry and that sort of thing, get to know each other. And it's been a little time, you know, off the uh, air, if you will, even though they weren't televised, but. You know, it was just good to spend time, get to know these people as people. And that will continue to happen, obviously, as we work together. And, you know, my history, as you know, we've had these conversations before, is, you know, a lot of the people I've worked with have become some of my closest friends. Yeah. Whether it's Bill Raftery, Dave Billis, or Chris Spielman, or now Todd Blackledge. You know, we're talking about people who are some of my very closest friends in life. So, you know, I, I hope that that'll happen with Ray and, and Brian and, the other people I'm going to be working with on the hockey. Let me ask you this. I think about football, and there's this natural break after every tackle, you know, in between plays. It's really easy to find the space for the for the, for the the analyst, for the color guy. It's really easy to know. And In hockey, of course, there's whistles, and that's natural space there. But the game can be fast. It be seven minutes, eight minutes of, 
uninterrupted play? Is there an art or is there a skill or is there something you need to develop or, or something that's part of your toolbox already in terms of integrating your color guy into the game that's different than the other sports or is it the same? Is there anything about calling a hockey game and working with your partner, I guess, is the simple question uh, that's different than No, football it, it's baseball. a good question because it is different than the other sports. And like you said, I mean, the you, know, you can have five, six, seven minutes of up and down action and no stoppages in play. And if the play-by-play person just keeps describing everything, it's possible the analyst would never get in. So, you know, I think you have to understand, okay, you know, they're going up and down, but here's a little wall, and chances are Ray has something he wants to say right now. You know, I think at the beginning, a lot of it will just be, you know, physical cues because we're standing next to each other. You know, you can tell when you're looking at somebody that they have something they want to say. Or sometimes, you know, I encourage uh, the analyst to, you know, kind of raise a finger as if you might in conversation, hey, you know, I got a point I'd like to make or grab me by the elbow or whatever. Um, because, you know, I want to let those people in when, when they have something they want to say. So, uh, but that that's the benefit of working together to your previous question about practice games and that sort of thing. You know, the timing of that and the feel for that will come over the time of having done games together. But I think it'll be something that evolves pretty quickly and naturally. And, you know, I think that the league, the way it's set up, too, just for fans, for viewers, for everyone, is that the regular season is really made to steamroll towards the playoffs. You know, and I think as you guys Mm -hmm. kind of get your feet under you and and get the momentum going, as you get to playoffs, that's when it's really going to start clicking. You know, and that's when you get to check that. Oh, for sure. That I mean, that's, bucket list item of calling the, the cup. biggest reason why I want to do this, right? Yeah. It's not that the regular season isn't great. And the games aren't fun and meaningful and well played. You know, most of them are. But the, the playoffs. You know, yeah. you know you're yeah. a fan. There's nothing better than playoff. Right. I, I sat at the TD Garden a few years ago when the Bruins played the St. Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup final. I've sat in the stands as a fan, and I said to my buddies I was sitting with, how awesome would it be to call this on national TV someday? You know, hoping that it would happen, hoping that ESPN would get it back, but never really knowing if it would, and thinking at the time, probably not very likely, because even if we got it back, then they still had to choose me to do it, too. So uh, the fact that it's here, you know, the chance to do the Stanley Cup final is is the part of this that I'm most excited about, and yeah, I don't think there's anything better in the major sports in our country, in North America, than the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, the, the pace of it, the intensity of it. I mean, it's every other night, and they're beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> you know, and uh, I don't know how they do it, quite frankly. And you know, I've had friends of mine who have played in these games and you see them, and, you know, they, they look like they've been through a lot because they have been. You know, it takes a real physical yep. toll. But um, then they shake hands at the end. What they do. Yeah, and then they shake hands at the end, which is amazing. Yeah, and they shake hands, which is another <laughs> part of what makes hockey great. Right? <laughs> you know, there's the. I think the best people. I've said this. You know, the nicest people that I've met in the major sports, by and large, it's tough to generalize like this. But you know, there's there, there's a the hockey people are the best. You know, they have that reputation. I think they earned it. You know, they're they're people of high character. They're nice people. You know, they go out there and beat the crap out of each other. And then, you know, they're, they are respectful when it's over of, uh, what they did and what the opponent did. So yeah, it's, uh, it's special. The playoffs are really special and, you know, the, I'm going to look forward to the regular season, but I can't wait to, to get to the playoffs. 
I was uh, lucky enough to have go have some uh, lunch, late dinner with uh, Kenny Albert in New Jersey a couple weeks ago, and we were talking a little bit about. I was just asking him, you know, about getting to call the Cup on NBC last year, and you know, he was talking about bucket list, and and I know last time that we talked, we kind of just kind of had some fun and just kind of went through some games and some plays. And that went over huge, and thank you for that. I really enjoyed that. People really enjoyed that. Um, but, um, y- you know, I assume, and I can hear it in your voice, that calling the cup uh, on network TV is going to be a big bucket list item for you. Um, I was thinking about you last night, getting ready for this, watching the Yankees and the Red Sox game, and thinking about you calling that, you know, that Sid Bream play, you know, baseball playoffs, uh, the Joe Carter home run. Uh, you got so many amazing bucket list type items checked off. You're going to get this one under your belt. What's left? What are some other things when it's all said and done really in the nothing. career? You know, now you get them all. Huh? Uh, yeah. I'll be 60 when we get to the playoffs. You know, I'm, uh, I hope to do this for a long time. I mean, Mike Emmerich did it at the highest possible level well into his 70s. I still marvel at Al Michaels uh, doing yeah, football the way amazing. he does it. To me, there's no drop off in his performance, and I believe he's 77. Uh, you know, my Bill, my buddy Bill Raftery is similar age. Uh, he's still hiving with no slippage. So I hope I can do this for a long time. But you know, this was the perfect thing for me at, at this stage of my career. I've done a lot. You just delineated some of it. I feel really fortunate and blessed to have had all those opportunities. And, you know, over a variety of sports. But I didn't know if I would ever again have the chance to be the number one, you know, play-by-play person in any sport category at ESPN. You know, and that's not saying I'm not doing high-level events. I'm basically the number two guy in college football. You have to do one of the two college football playoff semifinal games, get through the championship game on radio, which I love doing. But I didn't know if something like this would come along again. So to have it be the chance to be the lead person on a sport that I love. I mean, I, I just, and, I, and hockey is so fun. You know, it's fun to call for all the reasons we've already talked about, the pace of it and the, the fact that you can do more of a descriptive, you know, radio-style call, if you will. Um, that it's happened at this stage in my life is awesome. So, you know, if I ride off into the sunset, if I get to do this for the, the seven years we have the package and hopefully beyond and, you know, at the end, people come to regard me as a hockey announcer more than anything else. I, I'm really happy with that. The sportscasters are here with Sean McDonough finishing up. Uh, he's got Nebraska and Michigan this week, right, in college football? I think I yes, got that sir. right. Yeah. been a busy week. I did the Red Sox-Yankee playoff game last night as we're speaking. Uh, you know, we'll have the football game this weekend. We'll try to sneak in a Red Sox game or two in the Tampa Bay series that's upcoming as you and I talk. And then, uh, as we've referenced several times now, Tuesday night, October 12th, in Tampa, the uh, return of the NHL to ESPN with the defending champs, two-time champs, and banner-raising ceremony to help get us started. So, busy time, a lot of stuff overlapping, but it's all great. You know, what, what else would you rather be doing if you want to do this for a living? Hell yeah. I'm in America right yeah. now with a chance to do all these things in the same week. A couple quick ones, and I'll let you go. Real quick ones. From last night, how shocked were you? Cole coming out after two innings, $340 million pitcher. Has to be a disappointment for Yankees fans and the Yankees organization and Cole himself. And the other thing is from your vantage point, when they sent Judge, were you kind of shocked 
that he went and he was out by a lot, could have had second and third with one out. Um, and maybe that was almost felt like the chance they had to be a part of that game. You know, they really never got as close as that again. What about those two quick things from last night? Yeah, I think I wasn't that surprised by Cole just because he had struggled down the stretch. There's been some talk that he has a hamstring problem that's bothering him. You know, I talked to Aaron Boone before the game and he said he didn't think that that was an issue, but he you know, clearly hasn't been at his best. And, you know, even earlier in the year when he was among the very best pitchers in baseball, you know, he had struggled in games in the past at Fenway Park. So the combination of those two things uh, made me think that I wasn't that surprised. That, and I give Aaron credit for getting him out of the game. I mean, he had a rested bullpen yeah. that, and a good bullpen that, for the most part, did a good job last night. Um, the, the Phil Nevin decision to wave Aaron Judge around, to me, was the key play of the game. You know, I Definitely. was shocked yeah. when Alex Cora took Evaldi out of the game after only 71 pitches. You know, I thought he was pretty much dominating. And he goes out immediately. You know, Stan hits the ball off the wall. Alex Cora and the Red Sox, very lucky that wasn't a home run. And then, you know, it got compounded from the Yankees' standpoint when Nevin waved him around. And uh, yeah, I thought that was the biggest play of the game. The Yankees had a great chance to have some momentum, and, you know, it got totally squashed. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's disappointing if you're Cole and the Yankees. They paid him a lot of money to yeah. go out and win that game, basically, games like that, and he didn't get it done. So that's something that he and they are going to have to live with uh, for the offseason and beyond. Yeah, in game five against the Rays last year, too. I mean, didn't go, didn't win it. I, mean, I don't remember exactly how well or not well he pitched in that specific game, but I remember listening to Francesa, uh, who was on with Russo that day, saying, dog, this is why they paid him. Game five, dog, you know. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is, largely. I yeah. mean, right, you, you expect when you, you know, you don't spend money like that on a guy like him unless you think you have a team that, can win the whole thing, or at least can you know can challenge to win the whole thing. And you know he's the guy you expect to really help put you over the top and go out there and pitch in the biggest games and win them. So when a guy like you know that's part of it comes with it. And Garrett Cole knows that. You know that the expectation that comes with being paid that much and being among the most talented pitchers in baseball, if not the best. I don't think he is the best, but he's certainly you know in the top uh, echelon of a very small group. So. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't all that surprising to me, as I said, given that he had not pitched particularly well in the previous five or six starts, and right. he had not pitched particularly well at Fenway Park, uh, going back further than that. Yeah, he really struggled through September. All right, very last thing, I'll let you out of here on this. My heart's been kind of breaking a little bit today for John Sterling because um, he had that moment last night uh, with the home run, which I'll be honest, watching in real time, I couldn't tell if it hit the top of the wall or if it hit something on the other side of the wall and came back or what. Um, and I know that that team in particular has had a little bit of trouble with on monitors, not on monitors, all that. And it's a guy who's a legend of the sport um, and a legend of just calling baseball, especially for the, I mean, he's the voice of the Yankees and has been for a couple of decades now. And I felt, I feel like the backlash has been pretty harsh on him. And I think part of it's just because uh, a lot of people just don't like the Yankees, you know, it's just another way to pile on the Yankees. Uh, but I feel bad for Sterling, and I just wonder how you feel, not, a, not necessarily about Sterling in general, but just like when you see something like that, a colleague, you know, something goes wrong, and it's just so harsh. Does that 
make you feel a certain way? What did you think about that last night and, and just that, yeah, well, that in yeah, general? Yeah, you know, I haven't heard the call. I, I've heard about it. Yeah. He, he missed it. He basically called it a home yeah, run. And he did. Yeah. Couldn't figure out why Sant was standing at first base. Exactly. You know, I, I will say this, you know, as somebody who was two boots down from John last night, um, you know, I was not doing play-by-play in the first inning. Joe Castiglione was. But as soon as Stanton hit that ball, you know, Joe and Will Fleming and I were all sitting, you know, next to each other in the front row of our booth. And we all kind of, being Red Sox people, threw our hands up as if to say, oh, geez, yep. you know, that's a home run. So I think we were all surprised when it stayed in the park. And it was kind of a weird trajectory, and it was a wall scraper, which can happen at Fenway. So, you know, I understand how that can happen. Um you know, I've known John since I was in college. You know, when I was at Syracuse after my sophomore year, freshman year, my freshman year in college, there was a, a short-lived radio network called Enterprise Radio, which was kind of intended to be the forerunner of ESPN Radio. And uh, National Sports Network, it didn't last very long. It might have lasted a year. But anyway, I was an intern. One of my fellow interns became my uh, housemate for the summer in Farmington, Connecticut, was Kevin Harlan, and that was the start of a great friendship. We had an unbelievable summer together, but John Sterling was a talk show host. He was doing a national sports talk show, and I would uh, you know, screen the calls and basically help produce his show. So yeah, I've known him for a really long time, and obviously all these years when we've been uh, together in the Red Sox-Yankee rivalry, and you know, he's a terrific guy, and he's had a remarkable career, and you know, it's. I'm sorry that he's going through this. I do feel for him, and believe me, we've all made mistakes. You know what I mean? That you yeah. say, "Oh my God, what? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I think that happened when it actually didn't?" So, you know, it can happen, and and I can particularly can understand it on that play because I think everybody who was in that park last night thought it was going to be a home run. Totally, I thought it was off the, and and I think it doesn't help that it's Stanton who's the hottest guy. You know what I mean? Coming in, he's oh, just yeah. on I a mean, tear. He, you know, we saw him knock the ball all around last night. A couple of weeks ago, in that hit it right out where the Yankees swept yeah. the Red Sox, he he hit three home runs, and they were all you know. Matter of fact, Aaron Boone and I were talking about the one that he hit. Uh, I think it was in the last game of that series that I think is still rising. You know, as, sure. you know, as it crosses the North Pole. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, he he hits it remarkably hard when he catches it, and. You know, I feel for John. None of us want to be in that position. And, of course, people are going to make a big deal about it, bigger deal out of it, because he's in his 80s, you know. Yep. I was going to say, well, it must be because he's, you know, he's too old when, you know, as I said just a moment ago, that could happen to anybody. Well, it and, has. And he also had earlier in the year where he called a home run on a, on a replay when they were working on a monitor in the studio. And, like, again, that's just right. a, an unf- that's, that's you know, unfair me, to that him. That can happen, too. Yeah. I mean, Right. When you're calling it off a TV screen and you're not, you don't have the TV producer speaking in your ear. Yeah. I mean, if you were doing the TV broadcast, you would know it's a replay because they would have said, "Here comes a replay of that sure. pitch or that swing or that whatever." So, you know, when you're calling it off a monitor, I mean, you, you, you're not looking at the monitor the whole time. You got to look down at your scorecards, the stats, the notes, whatever. Um, you know, you look back up and you see something like that happen. I, I fully understand how that can happen too. You know, calling the game off the monitor stinks. You know, the Red Sox let me uh, choose the Red Sox radio network, basically lets me choose which games I do. And that's one of the reasons why, while we're not traveling and we're, we're calling the road games off a monitor from the booth at Fenway, I'm, I'm choosing to do all home, home games. games. Yeah. Because it's, it's no fun at all 
uh, calling those games off the monitor. And it's hard. You can't possibly be at your best. I mean, these TV productions try the best they can, but, you know, sometimes they don't follow the ball. Sometimes a runner falls down between first and second base, and you don't see it. You don't know it. Sometimes there's a check swing, and they appeal to the ump, and they never cut the way to the shot of the ump saying that it was a swing or not a swing. So you have to wait until you know that so you, you either see the batter walking away or you see the the count change on the bug on the top of the screen that has you know the count and the score and all that stuff. So it's no fun doing those games off the monitor. And you know I think last night I knew last night was the first time that John they traveled. Walbin yep, it was. It traveled all yep. all year and probably all of last year too. Yep. So you know and they were super excited to be there. You know Susan in particular was emotional about it. She'd been to Fenway every year since the 1950s when she grew up going to games there as a kid. So, you know, it's it's a hard thing, and, and my heart aches for John because I, I have great affection for him, having known him for a very long time. Yeah, I feel for him too. I mean, I hope, I hope whatever happens, you know, he's you know at peace with it. Whether it's you know, hey, you know, I hope it's not his last game. You know, I hope it's not that. I hope he gets to come back. Well, I hope not too, yeah. because then right then the narrative will come. Well, that you know. They shoved him out because of that the, yeah. the last game of his career, and yeah. that that's not the way he deserves to to end his career. Absolutely. All right, Sean McDonough, I'm keeping you too long, and you got to get ready for not only Nebraska and Michigan this weekend uh, on on ESPN, and and you got you know there's going to be more Red Sox games. I don't know if you're going to do more or not. And then there's also I hockey on too. the 12th. That's still kind of to be determined, yeah. but uh, <laughs> hockey on the, the 12th. Penguins and the Lightning. Yes, got to get ready for the Penguins and the Lightning. Well, good. Uh, was it good job by you? Good job by you, Sean. Thank you. I appreciate it. Since hey, we... my pleasure. Always a great uh, pleasure to speak with you and keep up the great work. All right. Thank you very much. It was an honor. Thank you. You got it, Steve. See you later, man. Could've used a few pounds Tight pants, points, hollering out She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got help I want to thank Sean McDonough for being on the podcast today Really appreciate it Talking to Sean McDonough, and I also want to thank Grace from ESPN PR, uh, who helped me set that interview up. First time working with Grace, uh, and hopefully work many more times with her. Have many more guests from the great uh, ESPN uh, team of hockey announcers and analysts that they put together for their uh, new contract in hockey. All right, quick book club update today. I mentioned last time. Uh, I was on that I had started reaching out to a bunch of different publishing houses to try to schedule books to be in the book club, and that was a little slow. Well, I have an official announcement, and I have one I want to bring you in the loop in, and you can cross your fingers for it. All right, first, officially, you are looking live. How the NFL Today Revolutionized Sports Broadcasting by Rich Podolsky is the next book to be featured in the book club, and I cannot wait for this book. I can't wait to read it. Uh, the NFL Today is such a huge show 
uh, in the history of sports broadcasting. I can't wait to hear the story, the forward of the books written by Jim Nance. Mike Francesa was a big part of this show. Jimmy the Greek, of course, um, Musburger. So I'm really excited for you are looking live how the NFL today revolutionized sports broadcasting. They are sending me not one, not two, not three, but four copies of this book. So I will have copies to give away. If you're interested in a copy of you are looking live, just email me, thesportscasters at gmail.com. Now, one of the other books, I sort of sent an email out somewhat speculatively, um, was I reached out to the publisher of a book called Woke Up This Morning. Uh, it's a Sopranos book by Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa, who were Christopher and Bobby Bacala. Now, when they launched their podcast, Talking Sopranos, they were everywhere doing interviews, and I tried uh, to be part of that everywhere. Uh, unsuccessfully, however, I wasn't able to track them down or get them to agree. When the book came, was coming out, it comes out in November, I thought, oh, there's another opportunity uh, to maybe get someone from The Sopranos, which is my favorite show, uh, on the podcast. I thought, that'd be great. Didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. And then I did hear uh, from someone who's working PR on the book, who I've worked with before on other books. Uh, and she simply asked me what my availability was between October 19th and November 2nd. And I told her, for them, it's wide open. So fingers crossed uh, that that will be a book we feature. I got some emails out to some other really cool books. Um, you know, it's getting to be where books come out for Christmas season, uh, which is usually the best time to get someone trying to promote it, right? Because it's such a crowded landscape and people really work hard to sell their books during that period. So that's where we're at on that. So fingers crossed. Uh, on uh, Bacala and Christopher, which would be cool, one or the other or both, uh, would be great. Uh, but for sure, uh, the newest member of the book club is You Are Looking Live by Rich Podolsky, how the NFL today revolutionized sports broadcasting. And uh, I got two books, been sitting on my desk forever. I got a mail out, um, and I want to say thank you again to Tim Neverett. Uh, who finished his run in the book club uh, with his COVID curveball book about the Dodgers. A really cool interview on the last show. So if you're interested in that, check that out. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with the guy who's been the author of three uh, book club books of the month. Uh, one on sports gambling, one on Bryce Harper, and one on Ed O'Bannon and the UCLA Bruins. So... Uh, his name is Rob Mish. He's a good friend of mine, and he's going to be on next. Let's take a break. Our second guest today lives in Las Vegas and is a graduate of San Diego State. He's been the author of three book club books of the month, including a book on Bryce Harper called The Last Natural. And he currently writes about sports gambling for the Chicago Sun-Times. A warm sportscaster's welcome to a guy I consider my friend, Rob Mish. What's going on, Rob? How are you doing today? Hey, hey, doing great, Steve, man. Always great chatting with you. 
all the way back to the uh, the last Naturals when we started. What year did that come out? Well, it came out 2012, just as Bryce Harper hit the big leagues. The timing was incredible. I had about, uh, my God, I had two two plus years in the project, and it's just amazing how life works. It came out the week he hit the bigs, so pretty a uh, little bit of serendipity there. Yeah, and now hopefully he's going to miss the playoffs for the second straight year as a Philly. See if the Braves can get this over the finish line here. Boy, oh boy. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think, man. He certainly hit the lottery, and, and that was the point of everything he did as far as leaving high school as a sophomore to play at the junior college, to to be drafted a year ahead of his high school class, to uh, that that all had it all it was all for money, so that he wouldn't be locked into imminent uh, salary structures with the draft, and to uh, to hit the free agent market a year early. And here he's hit it, man. His next generation of Harpers don't have to worry about money, but uh, will he ever make the playoffs? My <laughs> God! And the uh, Nats won it right after he left, right? So. How about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What is uh, Bill Simmons calls that? What the Ewing theory, right? I what th- is it? I think Bill Bill uh, Simmons calls it the Ewing theory. That when you subtract oh. subtract that player, then your team gets better. I guess that happened with the Knicks and Patrick Ewing. That's where it started, and he's tested the theory yeah, out. Yeah, it's amazing. Times. Yeah, he's having a good God, season this year. In fairness, though. Um, he is. He's, yeah. he's finishing well, and uh, we'll see what that gets him. Yeah, um, it's um, it's always good to see. And you know what? When I was working on that book all through the 2010 season, obviously I was behind the scenes with his junior college team at the College of Southern Nevada. Uh, as that season was um, playing out, I really, it really, uh, I stopped a few times and just thought, man, it's it's going to be fun watching him in the majors. And here we are in 2021, my God, 11 years after that season. And uh, I got to say, it's it's still kind of fun turning on his games, watching him play and see how he does. So um, personally and selfishly, it's it's been really fun for me. Yeah, this is actually his third year in Philly. They've never made the playoffs. He has this year 5.3 war, 143 hits, 33 home runs, 314 batting average, 95 runs scored. 80 RBIs, 13 stolen bases. So he's having a really good season this year. Well, and especially um, from since the All-Star game. He's yeah. really turning it on. And typically in his past, uh, that's when he's kind of gone south. So um, and he leads, maybe he's changed. He leads the National League in OPS with a 1.051. Yep. And he leads it in OPS plus slug, or OPS plus uh, with 183. So Yeah, he's he's really honed down and Hopefully he delivers for them because they're certainly paying for it. Well, as a Braves fan, I hope not. Um, let's talk. <laughs> let's talk for a second about what we talked about a little bit online, just because I'm selfish and fun, and this is almost all I think about right now. The soccer awakening that I'm have having a little bit, and I, I talked about this with the listeners a little bit. How you know, normally I've been watching soccer since the 1990 World Cup. That was my first taste of it. Uh, that tournament, right. like really, really, you know, I'm sure I'd seen a soccer game the first 10 years of my life, uh, but really watching it as a sport and rooting for it and that the 1990 World Cup kicked it off and I would watch Italy and cheer for Italy. And then this tournament went over and I would forget about 
that for four years. And then 2006 when they won it, maybe I didn't forget about it right away, but for the most part, I forgot about it. This time, I just want to follow these guys. I don't know what it is about it, but like, I'm just still so fired up. I watched the three World Cup qualifiers they had since the Euro, like crazy, like a crazy person. Then they got something called the Nations Cup coming up. I'm going to watch that. The World Cup luckily isn't that far off. But the biggest difference is just the players themselves. I'm watching Juventus versus, I don't even know how to pronounce the name of the other team, at 12 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. And, uh, you know, watching this uh, Chiesa goal and, you know, getting on Twitter. And I'm telling you, this guy's, it's just, it's very out of character for me to be doing these things. So, and you took particular. Uh, I'm glad you're doing it. We, we had, uh, yeah. for listeners, you and I, you and I had a really good exchange on, on uh, uh, text messages a couple weeks ago. And it, it was pretty late night, your time. It was late for me, which yeah. means it was early morning for you. Yeah, hasn't been we got off on tangents and talking <laughs> about football, the beautiful game. Loved it. Loved it. Um, the Italy team, uh, 19, um, yeah, 90. I was pretty into it because uh, I went to high school with Paul Caligiuri, who uh, starred for the U.S. team at that point. And it was neat for him to take the U.S. team to that Italy World Cup because he has uh, family in Italy. And I think they play there in Cagliari. And so he got to see family. But this past Euro Cup was just fantastic. I was, gr- It was so cool to hear that you're so enthused about it because we can talk about 06. Um, that was a big year for me, uh, for reasons I can't get into, but right after that world cup. Yeah. Uh, personally, it was, it was pretty cool times in my life. I went to uh, Acapulco with a girl and, uh, um, had a pretty good year and it ended poorly, but it was just a fantastic year. But we go back to 06. You're talking about Matarazzi. He's getting Zidane to headbutt him. Yeah. You're talking Gattuso, yeah. maybe the toughest human being on the planet. You got Buffon, maybe the best keeper in his life in the planet. Uh, great team. What yeah, a great Pirlo. side. Pirlo, Tati, yep. Del Piero, um, Grasso, who scored the winning goal in Germany and then the winning penalty um, in the game against France. It was a great team. That team, what sticks out about them is they gave up an own goal against the U.S. in group stage. And Zidane scored a penalty in the first eight minutes of the final, and that's it, the whole tournament. Yep. That was it. Two goals against. That's it. That's what the best Italian sides are about. They're going to score, and then they're going to lock down on defense. Uh, Catanaccio, I think it's called, where where they score a goal, and then they just park the bus in front of the goal. So, uh, but, but this past year, too. Yeah, this, this team summer, was different than neat. that. Yeah, this team was different. Yeah. They really pushed the envelope. They really tried to score a lot in transition. When they would turn the ball over, the, 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 they would turn it back so quickly. You know what I mean? With the pressure. Yeah. And, I mean, Jorginho and, and Spinazzola really kind of, Spinazzola from the back and Jorginho from the midfield really sort of, you know, worked on just pushing the ball up. Donnarumma even. There was the uh, goal they scored against Spain, which is probably the worst game they played. Uh, there's a, a corner, and Giorgino gets the ball, or excuse me, Donnarumma gets the ball, and within six seconds, Chiesa is scoring. Like they just, just boom, 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 boom. They're kind of an exciting team to watch. And you know, what was the no- the biggest difference I noticed, Rob, and I just noticed this watching things the other day. 
And I think it's a, it's a it's a it's a point about soccer in general, not just the Italian team. But the 2006 team that won, most of the guys were 28, 29. Um, you know, a couple guys maybe a little bit younger, a little bit older, but right in that 26 to 30 range. This team, way younger. You know, Chiesa, Blatti, um, Donnarumma, 22. I mean, all these guys are more like. 22 to 24, with the exception, obviously, the two center backs, um, Cellini right. and Banucci, who are kind of the uh, veterans of the team, more like 30, 31 in that range. But, and then, you know, look at England. I mean, the the deciding kick, they have a, one of the youngest players uh, ever having taking it. Um, it just feels like soccer, the players are getting talented and younger. And uh, I think there's a lot of countries saying, oh, we're a young team. We're just going to get better. We're just going to win it. seems like that's the whole world. You know, just the players are so much younger. Certainly on the Italy team, they are a young um, a young squad with a lot of young stars. And they had well, and know, that, guys and that, that and weren't that even there. That gives you hope. Yeah. That gives yeah. you hope. And England's through, saying the same thing. Through the next. Yeah, England's saying the you know, same through thing. Through the next Euro Cup and the next two World Cups, that, that, that gives you pretty good uh, – uh, positive thoughts about what they can achieve. I just think the soccer players are getting younger and, and better so much earlier. You know, more and more yeah. of the teams are developing the players on their own at a very young age. You know, um, I think it's maybe even true in all sports. You know, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Freshmen didn't play football in college, right? Like you couldn't play right. uh, freshman football. But these guys are getting really good, really young. Um, and it makes for really exciting football, as they say. So I'm excited. I can't wait for uh, them to play in October here against, I think, the first games against Spain um, and, uh, and and to finish out qualifying in November then and then hopefully the following year in Qatar. Right. Well, you know um, you know what, Steve? I uh, in, in thinking about this current Italy side, um, I've been meaning to dig into some research and find this out, and I just haven't had time to. But I'd really love to know, as far as the makeup of the team and the uh, the um, uh, the atmosphere around the team, and kind of just the uh, 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 the mentality of the team. How how important Chiellini is to that side, because he seems like the class clown, the guy who's always <laughs> going to bring the levity and keep people kind of. Uh, laughing yeah. and uh yeah it seems to me he's a big part of that team and, I, and i'd love to get the nuts and bolts of exactly what he means to that team in his teammates eyes i i think what he means to the team is why he was on the team more than anything you know what yeah. i mean i think that you know and and as the as the, he got hurt early in the tournament and then and then he came back and i think that actually helped him a little bit in the later later games being um as strong as he was later in the game, but did you see the clip where they're flipping the coin for the the um, the uh, the shootout against Spain? And they they flipped the coin, and I think what happened is that they both called. Ha- I think there was a, a language barrier there, and they both think they won right. the toss. And Chiellini's like touching the other the Spain captain's face and giving him a. Giving him a like, just joking with him. Oh, it's so funny! I got to send you that clip just because he's he is a class clown. Oh, he's, he's hilarious. Wild. You know, yeah. he's the guy who's gonna he's gonna point at your shirt and say, "What's that?" And then yep. put his finger up at your nose. You yeah. know, just always just clowning around. And I think that's very important. 
uh, keeping keeping the team light. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he he is absolutely great at that, and he was the guy too that you would notice anything went wrong, or they conceded a goal, or um, you know, missing out. You'd always see him right away going to whoever. You know what I mean? He was right. always the one saying, yep. I, like regrouping everything. You know what I mean? He was so right. important for that. But I mean, the team. I mean, Locatelli, who is such a great, you know. Um, young midfielder, psh, not even 24 years old. You know what I mean? Chiesa, yep. not yep. even 24 years old. You know, um, just guys all over. The, and Donnarumma. I mean, you know what we have here with the Italy national team? We have a Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers situation, you know, to go from Buffon to Donnarumma. It's a dream. You know, you can't, right. you can't believe you could, you could, uh, you could change like that. But, with that said about Italy, um, I was reading your. You sent me a little, a little thing, just what's going on, what you're up to, and it's it's what I'm most excited to talk to you about today, and that's all the, the work you're doing with uh, sports betting columns, uh, whether it be for the Chicago yeah. Sun Times or um, other other places, because I feel like we're in this moment right now, where and and I just spent Sunday watching the games at the FanDuel. Sports book across the street from MetLife Stadium at the Meadowlands Racetrack. Um, yeah, we're just at this moment right now where sports betting is everywhere. I mean, you can't watch a football game for five minutes and not see a commercial or an ad. You know, it used to be on the NFL today, the guys would pick the scores, right? Jimmy the Greek would pick the scores and he'd go. The score is going to be 27-19, and you're like, that's a weird score. And it's you realize, oh, the spread is nine. He's saying, pick them by eight, right, you know, or whatever. Right. And now, uh, what, two, three, four years ago, Tony Romo got in trouble by the NFL for being in Vegas and going to a fantasy football convention or something. Now we have a team in Vegas. We have sports books that are going to open. There's one that's going to open in a stadium. We have just all this it's a it's a revolution right what about yes sports gambling T- talk to me about the sports how did it happen and, and how how much bigger is it going to get and are you nervous does anything make you nervous at all absolutely and, and your last point is the biggest point it's it's incredible that i now live 10 minutes from a dome stadium in vegas that has an nfl team uh, six years ago, never, ever, ever would have thought that. It was less than six years ago where the you, you could not even uh, Vegas and its uh, Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority could not even advertise on a Super Bowl. The NFL was barring Vegas commercials on the Super Bowl, and now they have totally embraced a team here. It's all about money. And, uh, you know, obviously the big thing was 2018 when the, the New Jersey uh, – lawsuit yep. paved the way for PASPA being squashed by the Supreme Court. So that allowed each state to make its own decisions with uh, the way it wanted to go ahead with sports or not go ahead with sports. And as, as we speak, <laughs> by the end of this year, yeah, go ahead. We, we, we could have 32 or 33 jurisdictions with legalized sports betting. And as you said, it's everywhere, and I think it's very dangerous, and people need to be careful. If you can keep it at arm's length, have discretionary income, make some recreational bets, maybe think you're going to win once in a while, keep it in perspective, that's great. But I I just think, and I try to say this and write this often, 
that once you dig into your grocery money or rent money, then that's danger, danger, danger. And I think that's just way too easy for people to fall prey to it. So I, I just always want to express caution because this isn't some, I've had it told to me. I did a big interview for the Columbia journal review a few months ago. And, uh, it was a young guy interviewing me and he conveyed to me that he had interviewed a bunch of young people who just think sports betting is, is the best. It's an extension of fantasy games and that's good. And betting's good and everything's good. And yeah, we're all in this for fun. It's going to be fun. I say, let's just hold up a bit. This is extremely dangerous. Don't act like this is an easy thing to do. It's a very difficult thing to do when money at sports betting there. Uh, it's proliferating. No, it's metastasizing. Like we can't believe for a reason because the, the companies are out to make money. They make a lot of money. They want your money. And if you do this a lot, you're going to give them a lot of your money. So be careful. I just, I cannot express caution enough, Steve. Well, I think about Barstool, you know, which is such an influential um, company, especially to college age kids. Um, yeah. You know, Dave Portnoy is such a huge, and, and for the most part, for the most part, I like Dave, um, but they're so they've taken the direction with their company, you know, to become Barstool Sports Book, you know, almost as much as they are Barstool Sports. And right. the thing about I think the thing that like my cousin who's in just graduated college, he doesn't realize is that uh, Dave Portnoy can never lose a bet. Really, you know what I mean? He's got so much right. money that for him, it's totally for sport. There's no. Like the difference between my cousin from Fredonia, uh, that went to Fredonia College and just graduated, and Dave Portnoy's bank accounts, um, you know, is the difference between uh, living uh, in the White House or something and li- or, and living in a suitcase. You couldn't be more different. And the problem is, is the kids that are being influenced by Dave, they don't, they don't almost don't realize that side of it. You know what I mean? And and like right. you said, it is. Right just an extension of fantasy football to them, but the fantasy football league they were in was a one-time $20 payment. Right. So it makes me nervous. Yeah, I, bit, I haven't you know? done I haven't done fantasy sports in probably in probably 12 or 14 years. And in fact, I won an NFL league, and then the very next year I got out of it and I stopped playing fantasy. It just, it wasn't fun for me. And, uh, and you know, here's something you might find astounding. I, I haven't watched NFL in probably five or six years. I got tired of it. I got bored with it. Um, I can't stand watching 45 minutes of action, 50 minutes of action over three and a half hours. It just became a waste of my time. So as you can see, and as I've explained to you today, I'm so busy that I need Sundays to, to prepare for the week and to do right. interviews and outline stories. I'm working on a book proposal and, uh, it's just an organization day for me. And being from Milwaukee, I own four pieces of Packers stock right here in my office. They're framed and they're up there. I was weaned and raised on the Packers and, uh, uh, they're with the rest of the NFL. I, I can't watch it. I can't watch the Aaron Rodgers soap opera. I'm tired of him and I'm really tired of the NFL. I, you're not the only one. There's a lot of people like that. Yet, yeah. Yet, I think the fourteen, the fourteen most highest rated television programs since the NFL started back up, uh, they're having a, a huge year again. And and I feel like gambling is fueling that a little bit. You know what I mean? Sure. That, that the emergence and the acceptance and the development of gambling has made up for 
the viewers that they lost, whether it be because of politics or because of the game or time or whatever the reason was that they had sort of right. lost some people, say, in 2018, 19, around there, um, and maybe even into a little bit of last year, that this is just kind of made up for it in spades. But it's interesting that someone who, you know, writes about gambling is able to keep that separation. Do you just kind of focus on college football and the other things to help you kind of keep it that way? I mean, Yeah, and, that, and that's the other part of it, yeah. Steve, is – I'm so heavily involved with college football, college, college yeah. basketball, mm-hmm. and, and European soccer. And, and that's, you know, you, you only have a, a finite amount of time per week, and that's where I devote it to and all my other projects. So it, it is a knock against the NFL, but it isn't because I've, I've got my time very organized and I'm very disciplined with that. And it just so happens that I just, I, it, it's a waste of my time, so I just can't devote time to it. And so that's why you're right. I'm I'm much busy busier with with a few other things. So right. yeah. And I feel like too, in my life, I made with two things. I made a decision: pro wrestling and Howard Stern. I said, okay, I got this much time for pro wrestling. I have this much time for Howard Stern. I'm going to spend that time not watching pro wrestling for from 2021 because I don't enjoy it, and not listening to the Howard Stern show for 2021 because I don't enjoy it. I'm going to spend that time watching WrestleMania 3, if I'm watching wrestling or whatever, and listening right. to the Stern show from September of 98 or whatever instead. Right. Because why? You know, why not spend the time I have for it enjoying it? I made those decisions. It sounds like that's what you did with sports. You said, I got this many hours to watch sports. Why not do it on my favorite things college football, college basketball? and soccer you know it just kind of feels kind of what like what you're saying in a way right steve and you know what I, on a bigger plane for just anyone listening and and anybody out there um i think it comes down to a matter of you know do what makes you happy you know there's a lot of crap in the world and a lot of bullshit and and a lot of entities and outlets out there wanting wanting to feed you bullshit and throw curveballs and lies and propaganda at you and it comes to a point where man you you gotta tune out the crap and just do what makes you happy so i met the most interesting gambler in the world i wanted to, i wanted to tell you about this i was at that fan yeah. sports book right and there's all kinds of people in that place i mean right. you could just spend a day just watching people in there if they could have turned the games off i would have been um, interested but uh, there's this guy named Danny this old guy he's in a little motorized cart that for some reason he needed to charge every other 15 minutes the juice on that thing yeah. I don't know it's not not there not like he used to be uh, and he was betting under half a run in the second inning of every baseball game and he told me his system he bets under in the second if it wins he's done with that game if it loses, he goes to the fourth. If it loses, he goes to the sixth. If it loses, he goes to the eighth. But as soon as he wins, he's done with that game. He had won th- 13 out of 14 going into the Sunday night game. Then he won the Sunday night game because I circled back and checked. He was sharing his information with the high rollers and getting tipped out when they were winning off his information. I mean, it was just <laughs> the wildest thing to watch. And I don't know if he was having... That is funny man that's that's straight out of a movie it was wild and this guy and the games are on every tv in the place and he's just staring at his phone looking at the looking at the um box score 
that's refreshing on his yeah. phone. He's not even looking at the TV, and he's all over the place. And oh my god, it was the craziest thing. And he he's winning stacks of hundred dollar bills on these games, betting over under half a run in the inning. And my brother made a good point. Well, like, it makes sense in the second inning because all you get through two, three, four, five in your order. You know, then maybe a right. lot of the time the back half of the order is up in the second. But man, it was wild to watch. Right. It's just the character of the gambling world, which I'm sure you're you're writing about all the time now. Characters like him. Well, and I could you just hit on something really, really salient is that in sports books, man, if you like to people watch, yeah. you're in heaven in a sports book because uh-huh. what you see and what you hear that won't be replicated anywhere else. That's really entertaining. But let me ask you this, Steve. His this guy and his uh, his method. When he loses in the second, does he double for the fourth? And if he loses that, does he double for the uh, sixth? You know what? That's a good question. He didn't say that to me. He just said that yeah. once he wins a game, he's done with it. But he will. But he takes it four, six, and eight if he's losing right. it. But once he wins it, he's out. That game's done. So, and right. he, he told me that he developed this com- with a computer. That this is, you know, this is. Uh, stat-based. It's not a whim he thought of that this is something he developed according to him. Like I said, this is a character. So, um, Oh, that's I, great, I man. No when stuff is home, when, yeah. when, when there's something homegrown like that, yep. that's, you latch onto that and you follow it. Next time you see him, ask him if he loses in the second, does he double that's in the fourth? Question. And yeah, if he that loses that, question. does he double in the sixth? That, that can be a very dangerous system, but um, like especially in roulette. If you want to, you know, you can really get into trouble with that. Um, let me let me throw something at you though, real yeah. quick. If 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 someone is out there listening to this and and they're kind of green to sports betting, the one thing that irritates me most on social media is these uh, a holes out there talking about, oh, I got a three unit play, I got a five unit play, I got a five unit play. Well, anybody who's a novice at this. Never, ever, ever give those people one second of your uh, attention. Because if you're betting, you should never, rarely be betting more than a unit. Typically, you should have a bankroll. Whatever that bankroll is, 1% of that bankroll should equal one unit. You should be betting one unit equal to 1% of your bankroll to keep yourself in check. That's a great, great a disciplinarian rudder. You need to be doing that. If somebody is talking about three units, they're talking about having you bet 3% of your bankroll, right. and that's that's eventually going to lead to disaster. That's horrible. I have a professional better who tells me that only in certain situations with a baseball game, if you like someone at minus 150 or, say, minus 170, only with in that situation should you go greater than one unit and always try to keep it under two units. So I just want people out there, if you see three unit, four unit, five unit, even 10 unit, that's that's a red alarm and stay away from those people. Yeah, and that's got to be one of the hardest things too is finding who to trust because, you know, I read a story about some of these gambling hotlines where the way they work is they, they get on the radio, this is the Monday Night Football bet of the year. And the reality is half of the people who call in are getting one hat, one side of the bat and the other half are getting the other side of the bat because right. then they're going right. to they're, they're get half the people, right, that will call back the next week um, for sure because they want to. They're going to get a good yeah. percentage of, yeah. of that 50% calling back. And yeah. that's the ages old uh, yeah. uh, system. That is, that is really old school. But you know what? 
It's tried, it's true, it works, and it continues. And that's why, Steve, you and I just mentioned a couple items to look out for. There are so many to look out for. The bullshit on social media, oh my God, it's just, it's beyond um, insufferable. Rob, besides reading your stuff, of course, what are some what are some ways you can look? What is a signal you could trust somebody that someone is, you know, I'm not saying every pick they're going to have is a win. I'm just saying that their intentions to educate are pure, that they're legitimately. What are, what are some what are some keys that you see? You're like, OK, this is information I want to take in. Well, um, if, if you're new to it, it sure can be difficult. It helps to hear their voice. If you can hear someone talk, like, say, Matt Humans on VSIN, um, uh, and I also can throw out Paul Stone. Paul is a uh, professional better out of Texas, and I happen to um, highlight him this Saturday. Um, every Saturday I do a uh, sports betting column for the Chicago Sun-Times, and Paul is my subject this week. And uh, trust, I trust those two guys implicitly. I love Paul <clears throat> because he's so unassuming. He's soft-spoken. He has that little Texas drawl, and everything he says is genuine and 100% true. And between those two guys and just a few others, it's, it's very difficult to, to be able to trust who you're listening to and what you're listening to. Um, Paul has a podcast. Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Yeah, I think he's been doing it this season for probably three months. I think there's 18 episodes you can go on. If, if people are inclined, tap into his first couple episodes. See what you think. Listen to him. <clears throat> That's a voice of reason. And uh, he's rational. And the, the beauty about Paul, Steve, is you can see him walking in a casino. And I've done this. I met him a few years ago, and um, he never wants you to know whether he just won a million or lost a million. He, he, he aims to be even-keeled, level-headed, stays in his shoes, and he's so smart. So um, if it helps, those are two guys yeah. that I really trust, and um, it's just a matter of, um, boy, um, trial by error, just just if you like social media, review what they say, they give themselves away a lot. When people are up there saying, Hey, I'm 16 and two, I'm 18 and Oh, just delete them and quit following them. And don't give them the time of day. Right. Don't waste your time. They don't deserve it. You know, you're going to be very fortunate over the long haul, over a month, over three months, over six months, over a year. You're going to be very, very, very lucky to win 50% of your bets. You have to win 52.38% of your bets against the 10% vigorous to break even. That's just to break even. Right. So the professionals are actually hitting about 55 to 56% over the course of one year. That's how they are making money, and that's how they're able to support themselves at sports betting. And just look at that razor thin margin, Steve, yep. 52.38 compared to, Oh, about 55. And if you're really lucky, 56%, that's the slim margins and the reality 
of what we're talking about. These assholes out there claiming 60% or I'm eight, 18 and two, you can hear it in my voice. I have nothing but venom for them because they're charlatans and, and they're liars and they're full of it. And, and as this thing gets more legal by the week, those people are coming out of the shadows yeah. more and more and more. Yeah. And I, and I just can't, I can't say this enough. Just be so extremely careful. Um, I, I, I actually see and I hear way too few people who are saying that maybe that's why I say it so loudly and vehemently, but I don't think anything is more important than just being careful with what's in your wallet. Well, one thing that you can do for sure is you go if you this is a good way to do it. Go to muckrack.com and uh find Rob on there. He's Rob Mish, M I E C H, and you can read his articles for Gaming Today, uh where he picks a lot of the college football games. You can read his uh features for the Chicago Sun Times uh, and anything else Rob's working on, you can find there. Um and I spent like an hour there today just reading the features which are so in- interesting. Um, on Chicago Sun Yeah, thanks. I, yeah. I, I, I try to I try to write I try to write what I would want to read. I, I give you know I I got some high standards and I really want it to be entertaining and hopefully I want to convey a lesson or two. So I hope that comes across. Thanks, Steve. It does. Rob's one of my favorite dudes. You can find him uh, on Twitter. Like I said, we've been buds for for a long time now. You can find him on Twitter. Just his name at r o b m i e c h. And, of course, the articles on the Chicago Sun-Times and Gaming Today. And uh, it's got some great books out there, whether it be um, Sports Betting for Winners, uh, which is right on this topic, which came out a few years ago, or 11th Heaven, which is about um, O'Bannon, or The Last Natural, like we talked about, uh, about our buddy um, Harper and his dad, the main man, Mr. Harper, who is uh, one of Rob's close personal good friends for years now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anything else you want to promote, Rob, before I let you go? No, buddy. I'm doing great, man. Always great visiting you with you, Steve. Yeah, I, I, this is my 10th year. We figured out we've been doing it for nine years together. Uh, and it's the relationships, like the one I have with you and, and and just knowing you're in my corner and that I can go to you if I need you. It's, it's why I lasted this long. And I, I just want to say I appreciate you so much. I really do. That's mutual, brother. Have All a right. great weekend. Talk to you soon. now i want to thank rob mish and sean mcdonough for being on the podcast today don't forget you can find this episode and all episodes of the sportscaster podcast on our soundcloud page at soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters you can also find us on twitter at sports underscore casters and you can email me the sportscasters at gmail.com also on that same SoundCloud page, that same podcast RSS feed is the 24-inch podcast hosted by myself, Dave Rollins, and Paula Bennett. It is at 24-inch podcast on Twitter, 24-inch podcast at gmail.com. That show is bi-weekly, and you can also find it on Facebook. You can search the 24-inch podcast and join our group there, or Instagram, 24 underscore inch underscore podcast. 
uh, on Instagram. We have a new episode coming up about the Hulkamania 6 tape, uh, which will be up uh, sometime this weekend. So check that out. Quick shout out to my friend Peter Winston. His show, Greetings from Allentown, uh, is now a bi-weekly or so podcast. You can find him on Gmail. It's or excuse me, on Twitter, at GF Allentown Pod, uh, to find him there. Uh, he's every other week or so, and he also, every weekend, uh, does his show with Keithy, which is called GF Li- GFA Live. Uh, his newest show, which was released on September 30th, was about the NWA main event, Arn versus Lex Luger from June 12th, 1988, my wife's eighth birthday. I'm sure she spent the whole day watching. Shout out to my friend Adrian Dater on Colorado Hockey Now at a Dater. For more information, sign up uh, for that. I think he has a special. If he doesn't have a special, just write to him and tell him that I said uh, that there is a special, and he will give you a deal uh, for sure there. All right. One last thing today on the podcast, and Paula and I are going to do this one. Uh, What we're going to be doing and this is pretty cool. Yeah, her school is having something called Trunk or Treat. And every family uh, who wants to sign up gets to bring their car. And in the back of their car, they get to open the trunk and set up like a scene. Yeah. And why don't you tell them what we decided we're going to do our car as? Wrestling! Yeah, 80s wrestling car, right? Uh-huh. And what are some of our ideas, Paula? Some of our ideas are we're playing 80 music. My idea was a little bit of the same stuff and then put, and then like 80 stuff all stuff. Yeah, we're going to set up like a ring, kind of. Make the car look like a ring. Yeah, I know what, I think the good idea is we should like, show it probably like set up a little Royal Rumble. Yep, we're going to use our wrestlers. Yeah. And our wrestling ring will set up all in the ring like like a battle royal. Kind of. And what else? Oh, we're going to play wrestling themes yeah. like on the music. Yeah. We're going to set up the iPad in the car. So you play in what wrestling event? When it come Christmas. No, I thought we were going to play a wrestling yeah. show on the iPad. Uh-huh. We're going to do the Saturday Night's Main Event Halloween edition. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because it does have when it come crashing down and mean Andre, but it's nice Andre. Though. Yeah, nice Andre is in the Halloween one, nice. right? Nice <laughs> Who are some of the wrestlers you think we should feature in the car? Don't eat the mic. Hulk Hogan. Okay, who else? Hulk. Andre. Jake Junkyard Dog, maybe? Who else? Jake the Snake. He's spooky for Halloween, right? Yeah. So here's what we're wondering. Paul and I are wondering. If anyone has any ideas for our wrestling trunk or treat, you can email us at thesportscasters at gmail.com or 24inchpodcast at gmail.com and let us know your ideas because we're trying to win an award as best car. Yes, and I want to win that award so badly. Yeah, so if you have any ideas... To uh, win that award. To win the award. We won the candy, so we have to win the second prize. If I don't win that, I will cry. Talking to the mic. Don't worry about the music. Keep talking. Uh, <laughs> we, we paused there. You can cry if you don't win? Yeah. So we need ideas. Yeah! So if anyone out there has any ideas, email us. It's always a great show when Paula's on. 
Paula, honey, yeah. thanks for being on the podcast today. Even though you're a little nutty in this segment here, you're a little crazy. But I'm just whistling. Yeah, you're just having fun, right? Thanks to Sean McDonough for being on the podcast today. Thanks to my friend Rob Mish for being on the show today. Let's go Braves. Baseball playoffs are gone. Let's hear for the Braves. Let's go Saints. Big game against Washington this week. Check us out later this weekend on the 24-inch podcast. Dave and I and Paul are going to be talking about Hulkamania 6. Thanks to everyone who listened. Paula, say bye, honey. Bye.